Hey guys, we're back with another episode. I know it's been a long time again. I can hardly juggle my day-to-day shit, so I don't know why I thought that I could start a podcast, but here we are. I've actually been back and forth on whether or not to even keep doing the podcast, because I feel like, who the fuck cares? But again, I'm really thankful for all five of y'all, and I have a listener in Belgium, so shout out to Belgium. And I like doing it, okay? I I do have fun doing it, so... Grab your wine. Cheers. I'm in full-on Christmas mode, and it's not this weekend, but next, and I'm not done Christmas shopping. I do this every year, and I say I'm not going to do it, but I do. So some things I've been up to since the last episode, I went and saw Trans-Siberian Orchestra in Charlotte with my mom. This was actually a Christmas present for her and my brother, and it was a surprise, and then my brother had to bail like two hours before we were set to leave, so it was just me and mom, two girls in the big city going to see the orchestra, and it was a lot of fun, and honestly one of the best shows i've ever seen and i can't wait to go back and i might want to sit splurge and sit a little lower but really it don't matter where you sit they are just so good it's such a good show if you are doing elf on the shelf don't worry because it's almost over and i don't know who thought of this idea i mean it is genius it sorry It's a good way to keep your kids in check, but I have to move that little motherfucker every single night, and I usually forget. Luckily, my oldest gets up before me, or no, gets up, I get up before him, and so I have time sometimes in the morning to move him around, but... Uh, last night, he <clears throat> threw... Or not through, but like I draped the, um, or I didn't, Rufus did, draped the paper towels over, I mean, it wasn't a whole lot. It was just like over the sink and he was like holding on to it, hanging from a, um, from a, uh, cabinet. And then the other day he spelled out my son's name in chocolate syrup on the kitchen counter. And I'm just a a mom that's like, I don't care if it makes makes a mess, you know, if it's, if, if you're able to clean it up, then it's going to be okay. So just chill and have fun. And some days he's just like doing some little random stuff, like sitting somewhere weird because I forget, but I, I like doing the big dramatic ones. The toilet seat fell on my son's wiener the other night, too, and that was very traumatic for the household. It was really sad. And I obviously don't know what that feels like, but the way that guys really freak out when it's injured is probably saying that it's really bad. But also, women are better and have a much higher pain tolerance, so. Should we get into the motherfucking mystery?
There's people. Oh, you want to see the people? You want to see the people? This is my girl. The mommy girl. You're the mommy girl. You're the mommy girl. Wait, is it recording? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so y'all tell me if this is fun and enjoyable for you to listen to, please let me know. <laughs> sometimes I really feel stupid, but like I said, I do have fun. It's just, I don't know. Let me know. And I know they need to be longer, okay? I'm working on that too. I am. I don't know if you heard that. Screaming. Babies are screaming upstairs. But I'm down here, so. <laughs> Maybe I should just make a little podcast where I just talk and share my feelings. Because I have fun doing that. Okay. So, Natalie Holloway was born in October 1986 in Memphis, Tennessee. I really want to go to Tennessee. I want to go to Nashville. And I know it's, like, apparently the hot spot right now, especially for, like, bridal things. Also, I want to do a whole wedding again, and I want to do a really big, like, bridal thing. And they have so many things now that, like, say bride and all these fun earrings and stuff. They didn't have that shit when I was getting married. So I still want to marry my husband, but I do it again and again and again and again and again. Uh, Natalie's dad was Dave. He was an insurance agent, and her mom was Beth. She worked in education. She also had a younger brother, Matthew. And in 1993, her parents sadly divorced, and she and her brother lived with mom, Beth. Beth remarried in 2000 to a man named George. He was a big business guy in Alabama and was doing very well financially. Love that. They end up moving to an uppity city in Alabama, and the kids had to move schools. That's hard for, like, teenagers and shit. I can't imagine. I was not in the headspace when I was in high school to have tried to move schools. I'll tell you that. So, Natalie ended up at Mount Brook High School. She was said to be sweet, very involved in school. She was on the dance squad and in, in the National Honor Society. She was that bitch. We love that. She was probably like, uh, what are they called? Like the valedictorian. She was accepted with a full scholarship as a pre-med student at the University of Alabama. In 2005, after graduation, her and a group of students had planned a five-day graduation celeb- a five-day graduation celebration trip to Aruba. This group of students was actually 124 of them. That's a lot of kids letting loose in a island far, far away. Doesn't it seem like a lot? Natalie's mom felt like, you know, she deserved this trip. She had always been a great student, never really got into trouble, and it was time for her to live it up. So she said, okay, you go ahead, girl. For the trip, the students had seven chaperones. That's 124 students with seven chaperones. So my daughter would not be going. 
they were there for kind of like daily check-ins, but they weren't like up their ass. They just graduated after all. But these motherfuckers were going wild in Aruba. Drinking age in Aruba was much younger, so they're just getting lit, living their best life. It ended up getting so crazy that the hotel told the school they could not come back with another trip like this. They're like, "Mm -mm, don't come back next year. Don't come back the year after that. Don't come back the year after that. We're done. But at least they didn't like say, okay, well, you got to leave tomorrow. You know, they let them play out the rest of their trip. But they were like, this shit ain't happening again. Can you imagine what room service thought when they walked into these kids rooms i can and it ain't pretty when you're young like even which high school students should be old enough to know but you know some most young kids just don't give a fuck about about like courtesy or like respect or like you know they're just shit balls i'm not ready to have two teenage boys at least i think that they it would be easier than a teenage girl for sure but a teenage boy he's gonna be peeing all over the place i've already got a husband i'm gonna be cleaning up pee forever and finding dirty stuff going through skid mark hail with the laundry Mm. anyway friends say natalie's drinking was more excessive than anyone else's she would start drinking first thing in the morning and continue throughout the day we aren't about to judge her because it's vacation right and these friends say this you know after the fact so everyone's just reading into every little thing anyway so i don't i don't even know how much you would call excessive drinking and you can't really say, well, she was the one that was drinking more than anyone else. I don't know. What it would feel like the idea that she would be missing because she had been drinking, I guess. So the night before they fly home, which was May 30th, they all go out for one last night of celebrating. Natalie went to a casino with her friends. It was beside their hotel. She was playing blackjack and was having fun. And then she meets 17-year-old... Joran Vandersloot, Johan. Hold on, I, I need to look up how to pronounce his name. Oh my God, just tell me how to say it. I can't, I don't know how to say it, but the Google machine does say that he has a child named Dushy. Dushy Vandersloot, poor thing. Joran? That's not right. Joran? Hold on. Okay, it's confirmed it's Johan. Johan Vandersloot. Yeah. So anyway, Johan lived in Aruba and they were talking all night long her friends letting her do her thing you know they end up going to a nightclub and at 1 30 a.m friends saw Natalie get into a silver Honda leaving the club with Yohan and his two friends these two friends were brothers and I did look up their names and I was prepared but I'm not gonna butcher them so they were just two guys they're brothers one's 18 and one's 21 okay Okay, so yeah, that's the last time anyone sees Natalie. And the next morning, everyone's in the lobby to leave for the airport. And friends notice Natalie is not there. So they're thinking maybe she slept in. So they went to check her room, and her luggage is there, all packed. Her passport is out, ready to go, but Natalie's not there. They start looking around the hotel and still can't find her. Then they realize the last time they saw her was her leaving with three strangers in fucking Aruba. Yeah, okay, be a better friend, okay? Uh, Especially when you're going to say, well, she was really excessively drinking more than anyone else on the trip. Day and night, she started in the morning. Okay, so why the fuck did you let her get into a car with three strangers 
Yeah, so fuck you then. Okay. Anyway, when they can't find her, they call her mom and stepdad and tell them that she's missing. Imagine that fucking call. I don't even want to. I, oh my gosh. So Beth and George got on a private jet with some friends and they go to Aruba to try to find her. They go straight to the hotel. The manager pulled up surveillance that showed some of the casino area too, but it showed um, like a good shot of the car and Natalie getting into the car. The manager recognized Yohan and says that he knows them so he can identify him. So with this information, they go to the police and they're like, Natalie's missing and you need to immediately look you need to immediately look into Yohan since he's the last one who saw her. That's fair. And somewhere, anywhere to start in freaking Aruba is great. So, okay, we're we're doing great so far. Police go to his house, and he was super sketch. I mean, he comes to the door, sees police, and they start asking him about Natalie. They're asking what happened, and he says, Well, I mean, I know her, but I didn't know her name. Okay, why? Okay, why would you even deny knowing her name when you just said that you knew her and she's missing, man? So one of the brothers, remember the brothers that were in the car? One of them comes to the door and he's listening and starts correcting Yuan and says, Oh yeah, Natalie wanted to see sharks, remember? We dropped her off at the beach near her, near her hotel, remember? It was around 2 a.m., Yoan is like, oh, yeah, and she fell out of our car. I tried to help her, but she wouldn't let me. Yoan says, I remember driving away, and I saw a guy in a black T-shirt start talking to her. And he kind of looked like a security guard. What the fuck? Security guard. Okay, super suspicious. Yoan, thank you. A giant search and rescue effort starts. I mean, giant. There's volunteers from Aruba and all over the U.S. The governor even gave Aruban citizens the day off so they could join in on the search. They have 50 Dutch Marines search the entire shoreline. Natalie's parents offer $175,000 reward for a safe return and had like $50,000 extra given to them from donators for the reward. You could not avoid this story. It was it went national really quick. It was everywhere. I actually remember when um, this first happened. I remember where I was. I was in my living room, and my dad had on Fox News, of course, and it was just, it was on there everywhere. And I remember her because she was a really pretty young woman, blonde. Um, they spoke about her having, you know, her full life ahead of her and, and then she was just missing. And I was like, well, I don't even understand what that means, you know? And that's probably when I became a true crime junkie. You're welcome. So now it's June 5th. It's six days after Natalie went missing and two security officer, two security officers are arrested from a nearby hotel on suspicion of murder and kidnapping. Um, And it turns out that they would just stalk hotels looking for girls. Sick. Police never disclosed info about the suspicion, why they were questioned, but they were released on June 13th. On June 9th, Yoan and the two brothers were arrested on suspicion of murder and, and kidnapping of Natalie. 
They were under constant surveillance. Police put wires on their phones and were monitoring emails. And, okay, side note, a Reuben law allows people to be arrested even on suspicion of crimes alone. But in order to keep you, they have a time limit to produce evidence. A bunch of people get arrested in the story, but that's why. And I know it kind of, reading that out loud, it kind of made me feel like, okay, well, that's kind of what happens here too. But you like, like there, you know, it's, it's different. Oh, fucking K. You have to have, um, like, uh, do you have to have it? Then on June 11th, a spokesperson for the Aruban justice system makes a statement to press saying Natalie was confirmed dead and authorities knew where her body was. Press goes wild, of course, wanting to know where the body is. But then another spokesman comes back and says, just kidding, that was an accident. Fucking confusing. That night, one of the lead investigators say they had a confession from one of the boys saying that they knew what happened, and the boys say that something bad happened on the beach. Then the next morning, the investigators make another statement saying that they can't confirm or deny anything anyone has said. So, after two very confusing um, press conferences, neither of the they're like, okay, no, you can't take what we say as fact. And I'm like, but you are the police. So, on June 17th, a party boat DJ named Steve was arrested in relation to the disappearance. And five days later, Johan's father was arrested. And there's no word on why they were connected, these two men, but then they were released. So it seems like they're just going around fucking arresting everybody because of the whole, I have a suspicion, so you're going to be arrested. And Oh, my gosh. That's why people just get arrested. Okay. In these countries. Okay. Okay. A light bulb just went off in my head, but I think I want to do another episode about why I'm saying that. So. Johan and brothers remain prime suspects. They're questioned numerous times by police, and every time they give a different story. First story was Natalie and Johan were dropped off at the beach to see the sharks. He left Natalie at the beach, but he didn't hurt her. The brother's lawyer says Johan called them to say he was just walking home and then texted them 40 minutes later, but Johan says no, he was dropped off by them while Natalie was still in the car. Put a motherfucking pin in that. All three men reported before a judge at a hearing. The two brothers ended up being released, but not Johan. Natalie's parents speak at a press conference, and they say, Listen, two suspects were released yesterday who were involved in Natalie's case. Please help us to lock them back up. So she's turning to the media saying, You know, this is what's happening right now. Fact since you want to go back and forth on everything, but they released two men who were connected to the murder. So please help us in any way that you can to get them back in jail. Gosh. But doing this makes the media turn on Natalie's family because her mom's pointing fingers and they're like, we don't like these accusations. You can't just say something about someone like that. But why are you just arresting people then that say stuff about people like that? Oh my gosh. After two months of searching, there are no answers. The reward is increased to a million dollars with a $100,000 reward with any info on remains of Natalie. People are coming forward with different accounts, but they all lead to dead ends. So, of course, it's hard sometimes, like, that I agree with 
people raising the reward on information for missing people because then just any average Joe calls in and they're like, maybe if I just guess, I'll end up getting right and I'll get a million fucking dollars. But this is so cruel to the families of the missing people because it, for even a minute or two or five, whatever, gives them a glimmer of hope. And they're like, okay, is this, you know, is this real? And then they're coming up on that roller coaster and then they just get shot down. So we have one guy saying while he was jogging, he saw some men burying a body in a landfill. In a landfill. Police say they already searched the landfill, but then they search it again just to be sure. Uh, okay, we like that. FBI joined on the search. They brought cadaver dogs. <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying that word right. I think I am. They end up searching the landfill three more times after that, and nothing was found. But okay, dude, you said you saw someone fucking burying a body are you sure how are you sure what were you doing jogging by a landfill and aren't they like really high up how did you see that and i don't know how long it took for him to come forward with that information but i hope he didn't sit on it for very long because you saw someone burying a body and okay so whose body was it if it wasn't natalie's the two brothers were arrested again but on a different crime after being associated with someone doing some shady shit but because they were arrested arrested at all the police thought maybe they should try to get a confession they couldn't get anything and they fucking walk free again so natalie's mom at this point is exhausted there's so many back and forths there's police contradicting statements they've made there's the brothers all like giving different stories and then they take back stories and then anyway it's so sad her mom ends up leaving aruba but she's not giving up she continues talking to media she makes a lot of appearances in the press she ends up doing a dozen interviews a day she goes on the dr phil show in 2005 the show producers tell her that they have a hidden camera interview where one of the brothers confesses that all three of the guys had sex with Natalie that night and they were going to show it on the show. What a fucking mess. Well, then the tape that was shown was not exactly the whole tape. So the Aruban police um, heard about this. They found the real footage and end up releasing a longer unedited version of the tape that they showed. And the confession was a whole hell of a lot different. When asked if Natalie was engaging in intercourse with the men, the brother is shaking his head saying, no, she didn't. So someone, I guess, had edited the tapes to make it look like he said yes and that it was all three of them. This upsets the brothers, and really it was fucked up, I guess, if they're guilty or not. Um, I think that they ended up filing a suit against this, but there w I couldn't find really anything about it. I don't know if... Maybe Dr. Phil's show paid them off or they lost. I don't know. So, yeah, they filed, they filed a slander suit. So, Natalie's mother dedicates her life to find her daughter. She's doing a Fox News interview where they go out to Johan's parents' house because Natalie's mom feels his dad has not said everything that he knows. He knows more than what he's leading on. So, they go talk to him and... The reporter and her mom say that dad was looking real suspicious. He was like sweating bullets, but no other new information came from the visit. 
So, but still, she felt he knew more than he was saying and same. So, Johan gets released from jail after who knows what number of arrests were on. He starts doing interviews to give his side of the story. One that got the most attention was in 2006 with Fox News. And he says he actually turned Natalie down after she wanted to have sex with him. She wanted him to stay on the beach with her, but he says he told her he couldn't because he had school the next morning. He called one of the brothers at 3 a.m. to come pick them up, but claims Natalie said no, she wanted to stay on the beach alone. But remember at the beginning, the brothers said they actually dropped Natalie off at her, t- at her hotel after the beach. Police ask why the story is changing, and Yuan said he lied because he was too embarrassed to admit he left a young girl on the beach alone at night, and he thought that everything would actually blow over. He wants to clear his name because his life is being ruined. Okay, Yuan, and I fucking get that if I thought that you were innocent, but I don't. The person's life you ruined is missing and nowhere to be found. And you've also not only ruined her life, but her family's life. So you can fuck off. He ends up publishing a book um, talking about the story and he admits that he has lied and he apologizes but he continues to claim his innocence it's April 2006 they still have nothing police are running out of funding so the Aruban police make a statement that they believe Natalie was not murdered but she probably died of alcohol poisoning and someone must have hit her body so then where is her body these Aruban police are numb nuts. So by April 27th, 2006, 20 investigators go to Johan's family's house and they search the whole place, the yard and everything inside and out looking for evidence. The most they walked away with was the dad's planner, day planner, I guess, and personal computer, but those still led to nothing. Not long after, the police do the same thing at the brother's house, but still find nothing. They didn't say what they were looking for when they were going to their houses, so I don't know. But by November 2007, all three guys are arrested again for manslaughter and causing serious harm towards Natalie's body. But with no direct evidence, they had nothing to charge them with, so by... Uh, what is that? Two and a half years later, they arrest them on the suspicion of manslaughter and causing harm towards Natalie, but still with no evidence, you know, that whole thing. They couldn't charge them. December 2007, the case was closed and no charges were filed due to lack of evidence and police again run out of funding. So. So now we have Natalie's dad, not her stepdad, George, but her dad. He has his own search, and he hires a private investigator named Tim Miller. Tim goes to Aruba, and he searches more landfills. He was approached by police who told him he should be searching three to five miles out into the sea. So he gets further info saying that the day Natalie went missing, a fish trap had been stolen from a fisherman. This information hadn't been made public, so it was the first time the family were hearing about it. So then Tim starts studying water currents along the Aruban coast, trying to find where a trap might be, if it was like, you know, sunk or something. He goes out and he gets sonar images looking for anything, and they find nothing. Sonar images did show like a large trap in the area he was looking, 
And he says that he saw what he thought was a human skull inside of it. So a diver goes down the next day, and they do find the trap, but there was no human remains in it. I don't know if there were remains at all, but they say that it wasn't human remains. So there are tons of dead ends. It's like a roller coaster ride. Natalie's dad ends up then running out of funding, and in 2008, he ends his search with a private investigator and all. Um, But it was around this time that a reporter says Johan made a confession, and he has it on tape. And there is hidden camera footage taken in someone's car with a guy that had befriended Yoan, and they're hanging out in his car. Yoan starts talking about the night Natalie went missing, and he says, okay, they had sex, and then afterward, Natalie started convulsing and then ends up non-responsive. So he freaks out. He calls a friend. He doesn't say what friend. And the friend on the phone says, just go home, and we'll take care of the body. The footage was presented to a judge in order to get an arrest warrant, but the judge says no because it's not enough proof. Okay, you just heard him say. You heard it, right? You heard it on the uh, on the camera? You heard it, and it showed his face, and he said it? And it sounds like it could be uh, believable. Sounds like it could be spot on. We're just going to say that ain't, that ain't shit. Okay. Um, Johan speaks to investigators about the video, Um, I guess they called him in to question him, but he denies what he says on the tape was true. He says, I was just high, and I was telling the guy what he wanted to hear because he kept asking about it. So if you go back to the pen that you put in earlier in the episode, (laughs) remember when the brother's lawyer said um, the brothers dropped Johan and Natalie off at the beach. This is where they would have had sex. And according to Johan, then she re- becomes unresponsive. He says after this, he caught a friend. The lawyer had said Johan text the brothers 40 minutes after they were dropped off at the beach, right? So this will make sense with his quote-unquote made-up story. Johan does this numerous times where he confesses and takes it back, confesses and takes it back. It really is awful. In 2008, 2008, Fox News interview airs where Johan says he sold Natalie into sex trafficking and he um, got paid for her. He also says police knew what happened and his dad paid them off to keep the story quiet. Johan says he actually has phone recordings that prove his father knew he was selling her, but then they found out it was Johan on a phone recording pretending to be his dad. He tells media again he was just kidding. He just needed some money, so he sold the story. He keeps fucking doing this. And how lame are you to pretend to be your dad on a, on a recording? Talking about a story that ain't even true. But again, like it could be. It sounds like, you know, it, it fits. It's believable. There are so many, not options, but like, hmm, my God. So it's March 2010, Johan reaches out to Natalie's legal team with an offer for $25,000 he would tell them where Natalie's body was. So it's May 10th, 2010. They wire him money ahead of time, and then they even give him more money when they get to Aruba. At his meeting with the lawyer, he takes them to the beach where they were the night of the disappearance. He says he picked her up. She demanded he put her down. Instead of putting her down, he kind of threw her down, and she hit her head on a rock and was killed immediately. 
He took her to a nearby home, and his dad buried her under the home's foundation. Okay, so the lawyer the next day gets an email from him where he says this was just another just kidding. Gotcha. He's just fucking with him. Johan takes the money he got from the family and runs to Peru. But luckily, Natalie's parents had told FBI what they were doing um, before the money exchange and felt they needed to document it in case he was fucking lying again, which he was. They taped the whole exchange and then confirmed his story really was false. When they looked into the house, he said she was buried under. It just didn't add up. I think that it was, um, it like wasn't built or was already built by the time that Natalie's body would have been buried under it. So, so Natalie's family were able to charge him with extortion and wire fraud. So not murder, but at least he can't fuck with them anymore. In order to charge him, though, he has to come to U.S. and his ass is still in Peru. Gosh. This family just lived through hell. I mean, and then you finally got him on something after he's fucked with you for so long and you can't even get to him because he's a piece of shit. So, so a little after this incident, again, it's been five years since Natalie's disappearance and another woman named Stephanie Flores goes missing. She had met Joanna at a casino in Peru on May 30th, 2010, and they had some things in common, kind of like like cocaine and, and stuff. So they go to his room, they're doing cocaine, and three days later, her body was found in a hotel room, beat to death. They find out that the room was in Johan's name, and they find him, but he had fled to Chile. They arrest him. And he admitted to killing Stephanie, saying he found her using his laptop without asking. She had found out he was linked to Natalie's disappearance. So he beat her to death. And he took her money, and he fled to Chile. He then tries to take back his confession, saying he was influenced by police and FBI when they were questioning him, which in some cases I would believe to be true, but not with this guy. God. He's found guilty and sentenced to 28 years in 2014. And then after he served his time in Peru, he's going to come to the U.S. where he's going to face trial over the extortion and fraud and whatnot against Natalie's family. Natalie's mom, Beth, introduced the Natalie Holloway Resource Center in 2010. It aids in helping families find their loved ones, but they still haven't found Natalie. In 2038, Johan's sentence will be over for the murder of Stephanie Flores, and then he'll come to the U.S. for the extortion trial. I'm so, I'm so sorry to Natalie's family. It just really sucks, and it sucks that this piece of shit that probably killed their daughter just kept taking them on fucking joyrides. Like, I don't know how you can how people do that like you can say that but I really I really don't and I know that the brothers had something to do with it I I think that the story they told about okay here's what I think I think Johan and the brothers took her um from the casino they did go to the beach because she's like I want to see the sharks and it's something that would be fun (laughs) if you had been drinking to go to the beach that's what I want to do and so they get there, and Johan's like, let me get some time with this girl. So they end up leaving her. They have sex, and then maybe she did start convulsing. She, or like if things got a little too crazy, she did hit 
her head on a rock. He freaks out and calls the brothers back or texts them after the 40 minutes that they had been gone, like they said, and was like, what the fuck do I do now? He's freaking out, right? And the brothers are like, okay, well, we'll just, just don't freak out. We'll take care of it, you know. So maybe he doesn't know where her body is, but he knows what happened to her. And the brothers know where her body is. Or maybe even his dad. Because why are you so sweaty, bro? I just wish her friends would have had the balls enough. I don't know if they were, like, scared to tell her not to go or scared to take her away from those boys. I would just literally take your hand and pull you away and say, snap the fuck out of it. You're not going with these three boys in a random country. I don't care if you want to see the sharks. And it was 2005. It's hard to say, like, were cell phones a thing? I don't know. I don't know if they had a cell phone where they could call her or anything like that. But also these seven chaperones, where were you? There should have been like a nightly head count or something. I don't know. I don't even I don't even know what should have happened. It, it's all it's all bad. It's all bad. But this family hasn't found peace or closure or anything. I can't imagine how frustrating that is. You still don't know. Even if you found her body, you still you don't even have that. You just have no idea what happened to her. And the last thing you probably said was, okay, love you. Go have fun. You can't blame the family either. I'm glad that they let her go out and have fun and enjoy her celebration. What do you think? Go to my Instagram. Um, you'll see pictures of Natalie on the, on a post. And then what you'll do is you'll click um, comment and you'll tell me what you think. And you'll tell me if I need to keep doing this because I really should I just start a journal? I may just start a journal because I don't really know what, what else to do if I don't do this. <laughs> I really enjoy talking to you guys, but I'd like to hear back from you too, okay? After you do the comment thing and then you follow my Instagram account, go to Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and find Far Out Gaming and support my husband, okay? And then I'm, again, I'm probably going to make a TikTok too. I don't know. I hope you enjoyed your glass of wine with me. I hope that maybe if you've heard about the Natalie case, um, I was able to provide some more or new information for you. I don't know what that what that does. I want to say, like, thanks for enjoying the story, but it's not an enjoyable story. It fucking sucks. I think there's, um, I don't have Peacock TV or app or whatever, but um, I think there's like a documentary about this case on there so if you have that maybe go uh watch it if you're interested i don't know what information they have that i didn't but and there's really not many other documentaries about it i was kind of surprised about that but there was and natalie's dad actually ended up writing a book too about the case and you know how he put together search and efforts in order to find her but then there was talks about like a TV show. I don't know if this was going to be something scripted or like a reality situation, but it didn't get picked up. So when I said reality, it hit me. There's a new Hulu. Okay. First of all, give me any shitty reality TV, dating, lifestyle, whatever. Don't care. I'll watch it and I'll probably binge it. And there is one that I just did that with last week called Back in the Groove on Hulu. My son had his first Christmas uh, program today. He's in preschool. Last week, I had to take most of the week off because both sources of childcare had the flu. Oh, my God. 
I'm glad it wasn't, I mean, I hate it for them, but I'm glad it wasn't my family, but I didn't have anywhere to take them, so I had to stay home. I got a little taste, side note, of how it feels to be a stay-at-home mom, and I ain't saying I hated it, but then also by the third day, I was like, I need to get the fuck out of this house. I need to go to work. Somebody help me. Uh, that's when I binge-watched Groove. What What was it called? Get in the Groove? No. Get your groove back? No. Back in the Groove. But anyway, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I had taken off uh, a lot of most of the week last week. So I was like, I can't ask to take off again for the Christmas program. So I get to my work and I had mentioned it to someone and they were like, no, you need to go. You really need to go. We'll have you covered. Just just go. And I was like, what? I can't do that. I have worked for, um, I'll just say it, my prior jobs. You couldn't ask off or you couldn't just leave. You couldn't do anything, even if it was family related, because my boss didn't give a shit. So it's weird for me to work for someone or a company like that. And they really allow you to still be involved in your everyday life. I don't know. That sounds like the wrong thing to say, but they're just real lenient. And I'm not used to that. So anyway, I left. I ended up getting to go and it was the cutest thing I mean, it was a mess because it's preschool, but it was so cute. And my son was so excited that I was there because when I was leaving um, this morning, I was like, Daddy and Cam are going to go to your school with you to watch your Christmas program. And he was like, well, where will you be? And I was like, at work. And he's like, well, I'm going to be missing you. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like before this morning, I had been okay with missing it, but whew, he hit me with that one. So. Anyway, ended up going. It was great. Had fun. He came home with a lot of the Christmas crafts that they have been making this month, I guess. And there was some ornaments in there. And that's my dream. It had his picture on it. It says, Merry Christmas. Love, Cooper. I'm just dying for that. And I just want to say, I have the best husband in the world. Like, he really is the best. Look at Zoe. Oh, you can't. I forgot. I wasn't. Okay. Well, my dog Zoe is just sitting here waiting on me. She's like a little princess. You can find a photo of her resting here waiting for me on the Mother Mystery Instagram page. Okay. I love you guys. You're beautiful. I hope that you're all better friends than Natalie Holloway's friends were. Goodbye.